Hey, welcome to The Revolutionized Mind, a platform about all things mental health. I'm your host, Angelica Galuzzo, and on this show, we use real stories and eye-opening conversations to make you feel less alone and a little more optimistic about what's ahead of you. Come on a journey with me. Bring your most authentic self, and let's revolutionize the mind. Reforming society, repairing your mentality, restoring your life. This is The Revolutionized Mind. Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the sunshine this week. It is so nice outside, which makes me so happy and hopefully same with you. I feel like I've had so many like collaborations and things this month. I haven't had a second to just like talk to you guys and do my own things. I've just been working with lupus and unsinkable and the mental matchup and everything. So May was a very busy month for me and I'm trying to just like take a breath and enjoy the process, but things have definitely been busy on my end. If you've missed any of that, uh, just a quick rundown. May is Lupus Awareness Month, so I did a special episode with Lupus Canada earlier this week on World Lupus Day to really just help raise that awareness and improve education on what the disease is and how we can actually help make a difference for those living with lupus. And then Unsinkable is a really powerful community initiative that I've been really looking forward to working to for a while. So I did share my story with them, which was a really exciting experience for me. It's been linked all over my social media. It's also on my personal links, so you can definitely go check that out at weareinsinkable.com. And yeah, one of my personal goals for this year was to get on different podcasts myself. So I've been on a few already and... I'm going to take a second to be proud of that because it's not an easy thing to do to, you know, like put yourself out there and try to make all these connections. So I'm definitely happy with the progress that I've made both on my own platform and with getting on other people's platforms. So if you haven't listened to any of those episodes, I have a link tree as well that has all of them. So you can be sure to check that out. And yeah, um, after all that babbling, Um, I really, really enjoyed today's episode with Sandra. She is incredible. Her story is just beautiful in so many different ways. And just how she talks about the power of story and how we can actually reframe our mindset in a way to not in like toxic positivity sense, but just to like find that power through your pain and to really overcome adversity in a way that makes sense to you in a way that allows you to be on this path that is like actually aligned with who you are, what you believe in, what you want to do. So everything she says in this episode is just incredible and I'm taking away so many messages from what she shared. So as always, I hope you can take away at least one thing from what she shared. And with that being said, I hope you enjoy and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. So today I'm here with Sandra Chuma, who is a speaker, storyteller, and entrepreneur and mentor. And I'm really excited to learn more about who you are and what you do and how you help other people. So how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. I'm really great. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so thrilled and so honored to have this conversation. (laughs) And where in the world are you from again? I am currently just outside of Toronto. Nice. Okay. Me as well. I'm in the GTA. Oh, okay. Yeah, (laughs) we're close. (laughs) Um, Do you want to start off by telling us just a little bit more about who you are? Absolutely. Um, I like to think of myself as just a girl who's trying to figure life out. (laughs) Um, You know, I've had many different journeys on my path to being and doing what it is that I do now. And what I do now is really focused on a platform called Worthy. And it's all about reminding people, and in particular, people who identify as women, that they are worthy. They're worthy to be, to do, to have whatever it is that their heart desires. And part of why I got so passionate about that is because it's a journey that I've had to walk, struggling to feel like I was enough, struggling to feel like I was worthy. And it's taken, I wish I could say it was a click of the button or was one course, but it's taken really I guess, a lifetime to get me to where I am. I'm also, which is something that I'm incredibly proud of, I am from Zimbabwe. 
and in our culture, in my country, um, actually in, in many countries in Southern Africa, we have a word which is Ubuntu. And what Ubuntu really speaks to is it's a philosophy. It's a, a way of being, a way of living, which says that everything that I do should be for me, for you, for us. And so that's a lesson that I grew up with. In fact, my dad used to say to me all the time when I was growing up that, Sandra, your success will never have any true meaning unless you bring others with you. And it took me a while to actually truly understand what that meant. And it took me going on many different journeys. As I said, I've been an entrepreneur since 2006. It took me literally being broken for me to truly understand the meaning. And that's what I now do with my platforms, with the things that I do, which is really helping other women step into their power. I absolutely love that. And it really shows in your work that like kind of gives me a better idea of who you are and what you do for sure. And I also saw on your website that you explained a bit about that personal life journey and how you moved and how that transformed your life. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it actually puts you in the position that you're in today? So I was born, as I mentioned, in Zimbabwe, and no shade, no shame for anybody who's listening who doesn't know where that is. So it is a country in Southern Africa. And growing up, we were poor. I didn't know it at the time, because when you're a kid, you know, life is just wonderful. But we were poor, and I literally was raised in a mud hut with no running water and no electricity. And the most influential people, other than my parents in my life, were my grandmothers, both my maternal and my paternal grandmother. And they both, in their own ways, in different ways, always said to me that I was destined for so much more than what I saw around me. And as a kid, I didn't get that. Um, My grandmother, my father's mother, she never had an education. Um, My father's father died when she was still pregnant with my dad. So my father never met his father. And uh, she was left to raise this little boy with no way to fend for him. So it was a very difficult life for him. And then my mother's mother um, also never had an education, never went to school, and she worked pretty much for all of her life as a housemaid. Um, At the time that I was growing up as a kid, our country was segregated. So there were whites-only neighborhoods, blacks-only neighborhoods, and she worked for a rich white family in the suburbs. And every now and again, she'd on a Saturday when it was like her half day, she'd take me with her. And um, as we were on the bus or going there, she would be pointing out all these beautiful houses and all these beautiful tree-lined streets. And she'd say to me, you know, Sandra, one day, one day, you're going to live in a house just like this. One day, you're going to live in a suburb with trees on the street. One day, you're going to have a car. One day, she'd say to me, you're going to go overseas and get an education. And so that was the story that I grew up with, which was, oh, okay, one day, this is going to happen for me. And so that was very much the dream. And through, you know, the literally a village, like it literally took a village to get me to the point of being able to go to school, being able to get an education, and then eventually going abroad and getting degrees, going to an Ivy League university, for all of that to come true. And uh, yeah, I'm so grateful for my grandmothers, because they really spoke into me possibility, I would say they were my first coaches, my first mentors, who really spoke about the power of story and the power of possibility. That is just such a beautiful story and such a like inspirational thing of how you went from, I guess we'll call it zero to 100, but I guess just having that different cultural experience, especially compared to Toronto where you live now and just having all those people around you, like you said, like as children, you're so influential and everything people say to you is really sticks with you. So if you have people in your life that are telling you these things, like this is a possibility rather than maybe putting you down on the other side, it really does instill that power in you. And I'm really glad it like inspired you to keep going and to find yourself out of that. So how did your education work? Did you apply yourself? How did that all happen from where you were? Yeah, so I applied myself and um, got accepted into university. So my undergraduate degree I did in the UK. And it was a challenge um, because I didn't have funding. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anybody. My parents obviously weren't in a position to pay for me to go to college. And so I worked three different jobs while I was doing a full-time degree. So 
still crack, you know, I, I still marvel at how I did it. So I would go to classes in the daytime and then I would go run after class. I would pick all the electives that were in the morning because I knew at nighttime I needed to go to do my two jobs. So I worked at Burger King. So if you want to know how many grams of mayonnaise, lettuce, tomato, pickled ketchup, go in a Whopper. <laughs> I got you. Um, I worked at um, a place called Perfect Pizza making pizzas. So I would go to school, go to Burger King, do my shift there, go to Perfect Pizza, do my shift there. And then I also had a cleaning job. Wow. And in between I did schoolwork. Um, and so that was, you know, that was the hustle that was, I, I just literally had to work hard and I'm grateful for that because I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about what is possible when you're really willing to put in the work. And I also, to be quite honest, learned about the kindness of strangers because along the way, there were many strangers who recognized my effort, who gave me breaks, who, you know, offered to help me in different ways. And so that was pretty much how I got through my first degree. And then I did postgrad degrees after that, got a great job. I ended up um, working in management consulting, so got a great job in management consulting and had a really successful career in that. But there was something that just kept calling me to create my own thing, to create my own company. And so in 2006, I started a company of my own with my husband. And um, we really, like, honestly, most people are like, how did you do it? Did you have a strategy? Did you have a business plan? No, we didn't. We're sitting at the kitchen table one day and we're like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to have a company and do what we do. But instead of doing it for, you know, we were working for various Fortune 500 companies and we're like, what about doing it for ourselves? And so we literally the next day went and registered a company, no clue what we're doing, but very quickly, like literally within the first year we'd made our first six figures in the second year we were a seven-figure company and by the time that we're in our third or fourth year we were now an eight-figure company in terms of our annual revenues so we were successful very quickly um but that also was the start of what i do now in the sense that i'd grown up with nothing i really had grown up with absolutely nothing and the dream was i thought that, oh, if I could just make money, right? If I could just make money, if I could just live in a nice house, then I'll be happy. And so with each of these milestones that I achieved, I worked really hard, really, really hard. With each milestone that I achieved, I checked off, I still wasn't happy. So I thought, oh, if I could just, I remember when I used to work in corporate, if I could just make $30,000 a year, if I could just make $50,000, if I could make $100,000, and oh, if I could just be this position. And with each of those achievements, check off the achievement, but still didn't feel happy, didn't feel complete within myself. And then I thought, oh, I think it's because I'm working for other people. If I was to start my own company, then it'll be great. So of course, started our own company, became successful. Oh, if we could just make six figures, then I'll be happy. If I could just make seven figures, oh, then I'll be happy. If I could just live in a multi-million dollar house and drive my dream car, like all these things that I was checking off all of the achievements, but I still wasn't happy. And that actually, now in hindsight was a blessing. Um, my husband affectionately calls it my um, midlife crisis, where <laughs> I literally asked myself one day, why am I not happy? And it felt, it didn't feel good because here I was, you know, I, I still have, I still have cousins who live in mud huts with no running water, no electricity. And so for me to be living this life where I literally could travel the world, I could buy whatever I wanted, how could I not be happy? So it came with like a lot of guilt as well. I wish I could say um, there was a simple, like the heavens opened, the angels sang, and they said, here's the solution. <laughs> Didn't happen like that. But it really took me questioning, why was I here? What was my purpose? What was my purpose? Was it just to make more money and build a bigger company? What was the meaning that could come from my life? And those words from my dad would always play in my head about your success will never have any true meaning unless you take others with you. And that ultimately became the source of, I went back to school when I was 40. <laughs> I went back to school, uh, went to Columbia University to study journalism because I thought, oh, what I really want to do is storytelling. Maybe that's, you know, and, and make documentaries, you know, 
so I can share stories about things happening in the world. And um, I went to Columbia, studied journalism, did really well there, graduated top of my class, made some films that won awards, that played at international film festivals, still didn't feel complete. But that was the birth of me really looking into, okay, how could I use what I had learned to help others? And, you know, I talked at the beginning about the power of story and how I am the product of story, the story that my grandmothers told me as a little girl about what was possible for me. And so I really looked at how could I use what I had learned to use the power of story to help other people believe in themselves and not what over time is what's led to me creating the platform worthy and being a coach, a mentor um, to women who are looking to step into their next level. This is such a beautiful story. I'm loving this, but it sounds like I forget the word you used at the beginning, the word that you had in Zimbabwe. What was it called? Ubuntu. Okay. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you were like going through all these things in your life. You were doing the things that you needed for yourself, for your close family to like excel to the next level, but you were kind of missing the us piece. And that's how you got to that service that you're in today. And you just needed to like find that thing that gave you purpose. And like you said, that's kind of how you got to where you are today. So it's like a beautiful full circle picture, I guess, of like you crossing all these boxes, but then like finding that one piece of you that you were missing. And it's obviously something that you're really passionate about and really great at and kind of leads into the next question about like, you talk about your superpower a lot. So how did you actually identify that word or that concept of your superpower and decide how to build a career around it? You know, I I once went to a course, actually a friend was was hosting, he's, he's in marketing and he asked the question, what's the one thing you would want to be known for? What's the word that you would want associated with you? And I, you know, I threw out words and like we were in a group setting and different people said different things. And it's not like it came to me right away. And like I said, for me, landing on worthy and also landing on the idea that it's about the power of story is a journey. And I think that so many people um, focus on the destination. You know, I hear so many when I'm coaching, I hear so many people say, oh, I need to find my purpose. I need to find my purpose as if like, you know, you sit in the living room on the couch and one day, da-da, your purpose comes to you. What I've learned is that purpose comes to you through doing, right? I didn't end up with worthy just by thinking about it. It came to me from my own struggles. And I think that sometimes as well, what we forget is that there's such power in our struggle. You know, we often want to just bypass the struggle. I don't want to struggle. I don't want it to be hard. But there's so much power to be gleaned from the struggles that we go through. You know, as they say, your mess is your message. And so that's how it came to me that, you know, working on or creating this platform worthy and really recognizing that my superpower is about helping others recognize their own power. That all came from the struggle, from not feeling like I was worthy, from not feeling like I knew what I was doing, not feeling like I knew what my purpose was. And, you know, something that has really become more apparent to me is, as I said, the power of story and the power of speaking possibility into ourselves. And that is is, is something that I think is not spoken about enough, that we don't understand that through the power of our stories, through the power of us sharing our stories, we inspire others. Um, it's something that I've definitely been learning. It's something that I see in the people that I admire, that when they share their stories, it's almost like them sharing their stories, them sharing their struggles, them sharing who they really are. It gives me permission to be, even if we're different, even if our dreams are different, but through seeing someone really sharing their story, sharing their struggles, it really gives me that inspiration to be myself, to see that, oh, there really is nothing wrong with me. There is nothing wrong with the struggle, um, that I truly do have a place and that I am worthy to shine. Yeah, it's kind of like Brene Brown talks about it a lot, but like taking off that human veil and really showing that like we we do all struggle. We don't have to put up this facade that we have everything figured out because 99% of us don't and it's okay to let that show. And speaking of like obstacles and kind of how you said that there is a way to grow from what you've gone through, even if it's super negative, like 
I find that most people do look back in hindsight and they can find that little piece of gratitude for the struggle that they went through. But do you have any advice or have you learned anything through your own experiences of like how to actually find the positive maybe a little bit closer to when it's happening that it's not like a several years later looking back kind of thing? I love that you referenced Brene Brown. Like she has a beautiful quote where she says, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, this is not the exact quote, but she says something along the lines of, you know, when we deny our stories, then they have power over us. But when we own our stories, then we get to write a brave new ending. And what I love about that is that taking back the power of your story. And for me, what I've learned as a coach, as a mentor and doing all of the work that I do is that it's the power of the reframe. Like a reframe is such a powerful thing. Oftentimes when we fail at things, it's not the failure itself. It's the story that we tell ourselves about what it means. Because when you think about it, inherently nothing has any meaning except the meaning you choose to give it. You can put two people in exactly the same set of, you know, circumstances, let's just say, you know, something terrible happening. One person can come out of it and be very positive and be like, oh, this is, you know, what I learned or, or, you know, really embrace the struggle and just get on with it and move on. Someone else, it becomes like what pulls them down, what really becomes like a source of, you know, anxiety and depression and things like that. And it all comes down to, of course, I don't want to minimize anxiety and depression because there absolutely are hormonal issues and things that are bigger than just your feelings and the stories, but where it's not that, where there's not a medical reason for it, it's the story we choose to tell about what happened. It's the story that we choose to tell about what it means. And so the people that I've seen who are successful are able to quote unquote fail because at the end of the day, there is no real failure. It's really just about it was an opportunity to learn a way that doesn't work. And so the people who are successful are the people who are able to see the the lesson, choose to see the lesson, see it as an opportunity for growth, and then move on. It's the reframe to say, okay, what does this actually mean? And I love, you know, you talked about Brene Brown. Somebody else that I love who does phenomenal work in this space is a lady named Byron Katie. And Byron Katie has four questions that she suggests that we should ask ourselves when we're, you know, in times of, you know, uncertainty, when things happen that uh, perhaps are negative, and is to ask yourself these four questions. And the first question is, is it true? Is it true? So if I failed at something, am I a failure? Because also that's the other thing that happens is we kind of generally, like we make it about ourselves. Instead of seeing it as something outside of ourselves, we see it as us. So instead of saying my project failed or my launch failed, it becomes I am a failure. And so what she says is challenge yourself and ask yourself, first of all, is this true? Then the second question to ask yourself is, do I know for absolute certainty that this is true? Like, could I prove this in a court of law that this is true? Then the third question is, what does me believing that it's true make me feel? How does it make me feel? And the fourth question to ask yourself is, what if this wasn't true? How would I feel or what would I believe if this wasn't true? And I think that that's such a great reframe of anything that's happening, like right in the moment to ask yourself. And it's not to bypass, listen, there are bad things that happen in the world. There are bad things that happen to us. There are hard things that happen to all of us. And so it's not to bypass the feelings or bypass the emotions. You absolutely are entitled to have a moment where you feel sad, where you feel disappointed, you know, where all of the things that come from not achieving or, or being disappointed by life or by people, but it's really not allowing yourself to be consumed by those emotions. And I think that that's the big differentiator. Yeah. I think that distinction is like so simple, but such a game changer because like something I always like to say is like to acknowledge your feelings, validate them because they are valid and then like accept the positives, but also acknowledge the negatives. So you have to see both sides and perspective mindset. These things have such a big role in our lives. And there's the famous painting I always like to like remind myself of is when the two boys are in the jail cell and they're looking out one person paints the jail cell itself and the other person paints beyond the jail cell there's like this beautiful 
hill outside. And it really is just all about how you perceive the situation that you're in. And perception is just such a key thing in our lives that we don't really talk about often. But that simple reframe, like you said, it goes back to the power of storytelling and just how we like to think about what's happening to us and what's happening around us. So true. I love that. I love that example. You're so right that it is story. Like you can, it's how do you choose to interpret it? Because you can choose to interpret it one way or another. And ultimately the power is in your hands as Brene Brown, going back to the Brene Brown quote is you get to decide what's the story that you want to tell about it. Yeah. So going along like the storytelling and just how, I guess, how we talk to ourselves, like you also talk about one's highest and most authentic self. So what does that mean to you and how do you encourage your clients to actually get there? Oh, I think that this is the lifelong quest, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is our purpose on this planet is how can we step into the highest version of ourselves? And I think that sometimes when we think about it, like when we say it in that way, it sounds like this grandiose, like, oh my gosh, like I have to be on a pedestal somewhere. But I, it's really for me and how I kind of manifest it in my day to day is Asking myself every single day, looking at what are the things that I want to achieve? What are the dreams that I have? And asking myself, are the choices that I'm making in this moment in alignment with who I want to be and how I want to show up in the world? And I think it's as simple as that. It's just asking that question. Is this choice? Is what I'm doing? Is what I'm saying in alignment with who I want to be and what I want to be? And it's not about, it's not necessarily about all of us are, you know, aspiring to have, I don't know, billion dollar companies or save the world or be the next Mother Teresa. I think it truly is about in your life, in your life, are you being, can you be proud of yourself at the end of the day? And that for me is about living authentically. Can I get to the end of the day and feel proud? And it's something that I've started doing. I started at the beginning of this year, like really focusing on doing this is um, every day at the end of every day, I write down three things that I'm proud of myself for and one thing that I learned three things that I'm proud of and one thing that I learned. And that also was inspired um, by, um, so I'm a certified habits coach amongst my certifications. And my mentor when it comes to habits is a gentleman named um, Dr. BJ Fogg. And BJ is the head of the Behavior Research Institute at Stanford University. And one of the things that he noticed, and he's been studying behavior, habits, all of those kinds of things for more than 25 years. And one of the things that he noticed is, of course, and this is a natural thing, that we're negatively biased. So as people, we tend to look for the negative. And that's nothing wrong with that because that is really a brain function to keep you safe. Because if it can identify all of the things that can go wrong, and also if your ego can identify all of the things that can go wrong, it's attempting to keep you safe. But something else that he identified is that we very rarely celebrate ourselves, that in his training, when he's running training sessions, is the thing that most people struggle with is celebrating themselves. And so I feel like that, when you ask me about how do you become this version of yourself, is at the end of the day, can I say that I went through that day and I had something. Doesn't mean that you do nothing wrong. Doesn't mean you didn't, you know, I don't know, yell at your kids or I don't know, (laughs) you know, cut someone off in traffic. It just is, can I be proud of something that I did today? And it doesn't have to be like some big thing either. It can be getting out of bed. It can be making yourself a meal and taking a second to actually acknowledge those little things. Like you said, like there's so much power to actually write it down physically and just say, I am proud of myself for X, Y, Z. And it can go such a long way because I think, yeah, the human brain is wired to see the negative, which is where a lot of our anxieties, I think, are rooted in and just constantly being on edge, like fearful of other people, distrusting. And it talks about this in the four agreements a lot as well, is just how we view things with such an interesting light where like things are actually just objective. And we try to place this moral value, things are good or bad, things are happy or sad, like on everything, whereas they just are. Things just is, is how they describe it. And I think like a lot of it is society, the media, and just how we've been grown up and perceived to view these things in our lives. So I think just taking a second to reframe that again, I think storytelling, once again, it goes back to that and what we actually tell ourselves and other people. 
That's an interesting point that you make about like the meaning that we give again, you know, as I said earlier, nothing has any meaning (laughs) except the meaning you're choosing to give it. And it was also, you know, going back to my habits coaching and my mentor, BJ Fogg, that's one of the things that he talks about, you know, a lot of the time, because he has a book, a fantastic book called Tiny Habits. And one of the things that he talks about is, you know, when people go to him and want help with habits, they tend to say, oh, I have bad habits. And what he said is, from a subconscious perspective, your mind doesn't know the difference between good and bad. That's now a moral judgment or judgment of source that you're placing over it. From your mind's perspective, it just knows it as a habit, as something that you've done before that, oh, okay, you did this before. I must remember that we must do, and you did it again and again. So it got programmed into your mind. So your mind doesn't know that, you know, that's why people smoke, even though, you know, we've all seen the, you know, warnings and whatever, because from a mind, because if you're using your conscious mind, of course, your conscious mind is like, oh, that's a bad thing for me to do. But your subconscious mind is just, this is a habit that you told me I should do. And your subconscious mind is just fulfilling on that. So again, going back to our stories, it's like, what's the story that you choose to tell about whatever it is, you know, nothing has any meaning. And it's so much easier to change a habit or to improve something in your life if you look at it from that objective stance, because if you're telling yourself it's bad and you want to get rid of it, you're like going to speak to yourself in a more negative manner. You're going to say, I shouldn't be doing this. I need to stop doing this. But you can come at it from more of a positive side and just say that, like, I am doing this. I would like to change it and maybe do this instead because it makes me feel better or like however you want to frame it. And there's just such a better way we can think but nobody does and it seems like such a wild concept but I feel like these conversations are super important because it kind of gives people that other perspective to consider you're so right again like absolutely bingo you nailed it in that you know the place that true change can happen from is when you feel good about yourself that's it. Like if we try, if you try and change by beating yourself up, by making yourself wrong, by making yourself feel really bad, it's hard to sustain. Yes, you can for a short period of time, but that's actually something, again, going back to the research that we've learned is that people change from a place of feeling good about themselves. And so again, taking away some of that judgment. And like you said, how can I do something or replace this with something that makes me feel good? And also going back again to that being proud of yourself and celebrating yourself, that's also how you get, you know, motivation to keep going with habits is by celebrating yourself, by creating what's called, you know, success motivation, because we all know that feeling you do something good, makes you feel good. You want to do another good thing, which makes you feel good, which makes, and so it's just a whole cycle. And so, yes, it is really change. True change comes from feeling good about yourself. You can't hate yourself enough to make change which I think ties in perfectly to self-worth and everything that you create on your own worthy platform. So I was doing some research and I think you guys have six pillars in the worthy framework. Is that correct? I do. I I have six pillars that I came up with. So when I was creating the platform, so the word worthy came to me because as I, that was one of the things that I recognized as I, you know, was coaching um, particularly women, that it was a worthiness issue. It's also Layered under that is a self-love issue. A a lot of the issues that we have come down to do we love ourselves? And what's so fascinating, depending, like we've tried this out with a lot of people, if you go on Google and you type in your Google search bar, how do I learn to? For most people, the first search result that comes up is love myself. And I thought, gosh, like, isn't that sad that we're literally turning to Google to figure out how to love ourselves? We don't feel worthy of our own love. And so that's what really was part of the idea, what birthed worthy was from that word of wanting people to feel and to realize that they didn't have to do anything, that just by virtue of you being here, you existing, you are worthy to go after whatever it is that you want. You're worthy to create whatever life it is that you want for yourself. You know, sometimes as well, we end up creating lives that aren't our lives because we think that'll impress other people or to make other people happy. And so I wanted to emphasize that this is your definition of whatever it is that you want to create. And then from there as well, I looked at, okay, what would be an easy way for me to communicate the things that I teach on, on the platform. And so in terms of like, so worthy is, um, 
an acronym in, in my brand for the W is all about why, having a really strong why. Because if you have a strong why, if you know why it is that you want something or why you're doing something, then it makes it that much easier to get the motivation, to get the momentum, to get going, to do the thing. Because one of the things too, to know about motivation, willpowers, they're very fickle. It's hard to rely on them. So you need something really strong that's going to keep pulling you towards whatever it is that you want. And something else um, that's really important that I really emphasize in coming up with your why is what is it that you want to feel? Because oftentimes people set goals and we think the goal is about the thing, right? We want the house, the car, the money, but it's not really about the thing. It's about how we think the thing, the money, the house, the car will make us feel. It's about a feeling. That's what we're chasing. And so when I'm working with my clients, the W is really helping them figure out, yes, absolutely. Let's do the, the material stuff because, hey, it's cool to have nice shoes and bags and all of that kind of stuff. But let's also dig deeper and look at what is the feeling that you want to achieve. Um, so that's the W is all about finding your why. The O is all about own the day. So one of the other certifications that I have is really related to productivity. And it is about how do we structure our days to actually achieve? Because a lot of people are so busy. They're bu like literally from the moment they get up to the moment they sleep, they're busy, busy, busy doing. But what is it you're doing? Like, are you doing things that are actually moving you forward? And it's so easy as well nowadays with all the distractions that we literally have in our hands all the time, in our pockets all the time to not achieve. So O is all about own the day. If you want to achieve, it's how are you owning the day? Um, the R is something that I had to learn the hard way is that rest is an important strategy when it comes to achieving whatever you want in your life. So in my world, the R is all about rest and reflection and really allowing that time, recognizing that resting is not a waste of time. It's actually one of the most productive habits that you can have to allow yourself to rest because you come back so much stronger. You come that's If you think about when do your best ideas come, it's when you're at rest. And so really allowing rest and reflection into your life. Then the T is all about tracking. So for you to know where it is you're going, it's kind of like if you're going on a journey and you have a GPS, the GPS is going to tell you how many more kilometers or how many miles it is to where you're going, how many turns you have to make. And so when you go off and miss the turn, it's going to tell you, hey, you took a wrong turn. And that's what tracking is all about. I think sometimes I've had women say to me, oh, I don't like tracking because I find it triggering. Back to story. It's about the story you're telling. It's about the meaning that you're attaching to not achieving or to achieving the result. You're attaching, you know, your self-worth to the achievement. And so it's really helping people understand that tracking is very important, but it's about just telling you, yes, no, you're going in the right direction or you need to recalibrate. That's the T. H, if you haven't already figured out, I love talking about habits because what I've learned through all of my coaching training, through being certified as a habits coach, is that everything that you have in your life, everything you don't have in your life is because of your habits. It's because of the things that you do day in, day out. It's because of the things that are programmed in your subconscious mind. And in my world as well, when I'm coaching, under habits, we also look at subconscious mind and the power of your subconscious mind and really looking at how do we reprogram your subconscious mind because um, a shocking statistic is the fact that up to 95, somewhere between 90 to 95% of everything we do in a day comes from our subconscious mind. We're not even actively choosing. We're just being driven by habits and patterns and beliefs from our past. So I dig really deeply into habits and also into subconscious mind um, in the age pillar. I'm also certified as a hypnotherapist because I, I recognize the power of hypnotherapy in helping people to tap into their subconscious mind. Um, and then the why is probably the most important pillar. The why is all about you. One of the things that my mentor said to me very early on in my coaching with him, he said, you know, Sandra, you can go out and pay all the money you want for masterminds and coaching and programs, but you will only ever be as good as the being who is doing the doing. 
you can only ever be as good as you and what's between your ears, the mindset that you have, the beliefs that you have, the stories that you tell about who you are and what is possible for you in the world. So that's a lot of the work that I do um, with my clients in the why pillar, which is all about you. So those are the six main things, six pillars that we talk about in The Worthy Brand. I think that's incredible. And again, like they sound so subtle and small, but 95% of the things we do are in our subconscious. And it's so true that we think like we just go through the days because we know we have to go to work, we have to go to school, we have to make food, do all these things. And we just do it. And we don't, we're not mindful, we're not intentional about the things that we're doing. And that really takes a toll on how we feel about what we're doing and how we feel about ourselves, which goes back to worthiness and just how much we actually love ourselves love our lives and then love the people in our lives as well so it really is all connected and those small changes that we can make for ourselves in our daily lives really will go such a long way and you said at the beginning too like it's a lifelong journey it's a process you're constantly going to be learning and changing and growing with yourself and the people around you so I think just having an open mind to these new perspectives and ideas are one of the biggest things. Yeah, you said a powerful word right there. You said intention or intentional. So many people are great at setting intentions, right? If you think about, you know, New Year, everybody's like, this is going to be my best year. I'm going to be my best me. But they're not intentional about achieving those intentions. And so, and that's all it is. You know, there's a statistic that says, um, there's some research that was done. I can't remember what the university was who did the research, but they said that 92% of people who set a goal at the beginning of a year will never achieve it. 92%. So if you think about all the people who set New Year's resolutions, only 8% of people achieve their goals. And if we look at what's different about those 8%, they're not some mythical, magical creatures. They didn't come you know, out of their mother's womb with a sprinkling of fairy dust. They're just the people who are intentional, who every single day, because also I think people think, it's these big moments, right? It's the big things that create change or that get you towards your goal. It's not. It's little by little, a little becomes a lot, right? It's small steps, incremental steps. It's the small decisions every single day. It's the consistent decisions every single day. That's how those 8% achieve their goals. And the New Year's thing is tricky too, because I feel like it's a timeline thing. You're like waiting for January 1st in order to make that change. Whereas like, you can start today. And I know some people are like, no, I want to wait for the big thing in order to like make that big thing happen. But it really is all in the little things. And you don't have to place this massive pressure on yourself. I don't know, like what, what magically happens? (laughs) You know, because I was that person. I'm not going to judge people. This is not a judgment because I was that person for years and years and years. I can show you the journals that I've piled up there on my bookshelf where every year I'd be like, okay, I'm going to wait till January 1st. And oh my gosh, it was perfection when January 1st was on a Monday as well. Like, (laughs) oh, this is perfect. This is my year. And then three months in, I can't even remember what the goals were that I set at the beginning. And then we think, as you said, that we've got to wait for the first of the month or the Monday. or And yet you can just choose to start right now. And I think also the other thing that happens as well, because we put so much pressure on a date or a time frame that is from January 1st to January 31st, that if you haven't achieved your goals by January 31st, oh, sorry, by December 31st, you're a failure. And yet we forget the cumulative nature of what we're doing, that if you just were to keep going, maybe you'd achieve your goal by April of the following year. But people feel like, oh, December 31st, I didn't achieve my goals. I'm a failure. All right, I've got to start again from scratch January 1st. What about if you just kept going? If you just saw it as a continual journey towards becoming whatever it is your dream is, whatever the best version of you is? And those habits and goals are about sustainability too, which is something people don't talk about. It has to be something that you can actually incorporate into your daily life and you might have to start small. Maybe your goal is to journal every day, but maybe that doesn't actually work with your schedule. So it's taking a few minutes every few days, every week, and then building up to that. And I think that over time, research shows it does actually create bigger change and bigger progress. You're so right that it is the small it's, it, it's literally, it might even, you want a journal, you just pulled out the journal. That's it. That you did something towards the thing. Okay, you 
opened page one. That's it. I was listening to, um, oh my gosh, what is his name? His name's escaping me. Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, right? He's a, a doctor in the UK and he has a fantastic podcast. Highly recommend. I'm, I'm not paid by him. I don't know him personally. <laughs> I just know of his work. But he was, I heard him being interviewed. He's actually very good friends with my mentor, BJ Fogg. And so he was being interviewed, um, or he was interviewing BJ, I can't remember which one it was. And he talked about how in his practice, he'll often get people, for example, who come in who want to lose weight, right? So they might come in and say, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds or I want to lose whatever, 20 kilos, whatever it is they want to lose. And he said, I'll say to them something like, oh, okay, you know what? I think you should exercise, eat healthy. Okay, they got that. Then he says, I'll say to them, for your exercise, I think that you should start with like 10 minutes every day. And he's like, they will look at me like I have three heads because they're like 10 minutes. Like, what's that going to do 10 minutes? And he says, when I give them this analogy, so he gives this analogy where he says, if I was to say to you for 10 minutes every single day, I want you to wake up and I want you to get a pack of cigarettes and I want you to smoke as many cigarettes and eat as many chocolate bars as you can for 10 minutes every single day. He's like, they'll be like, oh my gosh, are you crazy? I'm going to be unhealthy. And he's like, so why does it work when it's bad, but it doesn't work when it's good? That if you do the reverse and say, if I just do 10 minutes every day of some exercise, think about how much you'll have done by the end of a week, a month, a year, like you'll be so much further ahead. And what sets most people back is they start off with these massive, like they go from, I'm not exercising at all to, oh, I'm going to exercise an hour every single day, six days a week. That's very hard to sustain. It's hard to fit into your schedule. So how can you, going back to you know something I mentioned earlier, how can you create success motivation in your life? How can you do the little thing that gives you that sense of, oh, I achieved something. Set yourself up to be successful. If you do extra, that is awesome. But if you can just say, okay, what's the minimum that I can do for me to feel good about myself and just aim to do that? That's a really interesting perspective for sure. And I had somebody else on the podcast a few months ago just talking about how consistency will always trump intensity when it comes to workouts specifically. But goes along with this as well as just staying consistent with your goals. And as long as you're meeting that minimum, then you can always do more, but set the minimum small, make it actually achievable. That way you don't start telling yourself those negative stories about how you can't achieve all these things. But if it's small enough to actually be achievable and make yourself feel good, then you're setting yourself up for the greatest success in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And when it comes to like habits and, and how do we, because this is a question that I get asked a lot, is how do I wire in? How do I build my habits? So I think it's first of all, understanding what is habits? Like what is behavior? And, you know, back to um, my mentor, BJ Fogg, he actually came up with something that is called in research and science, it's called the Fogg behavior model. And what he said is all behavior, every single behavior that we do as human beings, of which habits is a subset of behavior behavior is it comes down to three things right and he calls it you can the acronym is MAP right the M is about motivation how motivated am i to do the thing but the important thing to remember about motivation is that motivation's fickle right you can't rely on it how you feel on January the 1st, inspired and motivated to do the thing is why there's nobody in the gym on April the 17th because mm -hmm. the motivation's gone. And so you can't rely on it. It's great for getting you started. It's great to kind of get things going, but it's not reliable. And so that's the M is motivation. So the other things that he says is behavior is ability. How hard or how easy is it for you to do the thing, whatever the, the habit is that you're trying to create? So again, going back to what we've been talking about, the easier we can make it for ourselves to do, the smaller we can make it for ourselves to do, the more successful and the more likely we are to do the thing. So when you're looking at creating a habit, it's about how can I make it as easy as possible for myself to do? And then the P is about having a prompt having a trigger, having a cue. Because again, what one of the things BJ teaches is that there's no behavior that happens without some reminder, some prompt, some trigger. It might be a time reminder that, you know, every morning I wake up and I 
exercise, or it could be an actual physical reminder you program in, you know, whatever on your phone and alert. But every behavior that we want to do has to have a prompt. And so when you're looking at designing your habits, it's really looking at it almost as like a three-legged stool that you're trying to balance. I can't rely on motivation alone. And in there, we'll throw in willpower as well. Um, Ability, can I make it easier for myself to do? And then the P is the prompt. And then the kind of taking it even further, the next step is something that BJ calls ABC. So ABC, so when you've actually like decided on what your habit is that you want to create. So A, you've got to have your anchor, the thing, the cue, the trigger, your anchor that says, hey, it's time for you to do your exercise. So it might be, like I said, a physical reminder. It might be a time reminder. Then B is the behavior. Do the behavior. But here's the important thing, and here's where so many of us get it wrong, where we go off the rails. We negotiate with ourselves. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm going to work out every morning at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. rolls around, the alarm clock goes off, and we press snooze. I'll just sleep for five more minutes. And then snooze again and again. And so what he said is, don't negotiate with yourself. When you've made that decision, made the commitment that this is the habit I want to create, then what you want to do is do the behavior right away. No negotiation. And then what is C? The C is all about celebrate. Celebrate yourself. Remember we talked about feeling success motivation and how when you feel good, it makes you want to do more good and then you feel good and it's just a cycle. And so celebrating releases feel-good hormones in your brain, dopamine, and what your brain effectively does when you feel good about yourself when you've done something is it's almost like a bookmark. It's like, ah, she liked that. She felt good when she did that. Let me remember to do that again. And so that's how you start to build in the habits by celebrating yourself and feeling good. I love that. It like, I love acronyms in general. They just make it easier to actually like tell yourself to do the thing. But the snooze piece is something that like I struggle with a lot when my alarm goes off in the morning. I don't want to get up. I'll hit snooze. I'll hit snooze. But research also shows like if you just jump up out of bed the second your alarm goes off you'll be much more productive you're much more likely to reach your goals and your habits and I think another piece of that that we have to acknowledge is like when you actually do need that rest like sure you're going to commit to that behavior but if it's an off day for you if if you feel like doing the thing is going to negatively impact you then you have to honor that and I think that also like if you force yourself to do the behavior when you're not really physically, mentally, emotionally able to commit, then that'll have a negative impact on you because maybe you won't do the workout to your full potential or maybe it'll make you feel bad about something. So just really like I say, like yeah. tuning in all the time, tuning in with your mind, body, soul, what's going to benefit me most today? How can I show up best for myself and whatever that day looks like? So you're so right like you said perfectly, is that it is about tuning into you, not measuring yourself based on what everybody else is doing or what, like, that's one of the things too, that I saw um, a lot of like last year for sure was all this morning routines, right? Everybody was waking up at 5am and then drinking their green smoothie and then meditating for three hours (laughs) and then doing the cold bath. and, And so we sometimes read things like that and think, oh, I guess if I'm not doing that too, I'm not going to be successful. Or if I'm not doing that too, then there's something wrong with me. And it is, you said it so perfectly, about tuning into you. Not everybody is a morning person. Some people do their best work at night or in the middle of the night. Some people don't do well waking up early in the morning. So it's really knowing yourself. Success has nothing nothing. I know we grew up with that, you know, the early bird catches the worm. (laughs) Success has absolutely nothing to do with what time you wake up. Success has to do with what do you do in the hours that you have when you are up. So you can wake up at 10 in the morning every day, 12 every day, but it's what you do when you actually wake. Because somebody who could wake up and be working, 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 but they're not actually doing things that are moving the needle. They're not doing things that are moving them forward. And so it really is, as you rightly said, about tuning into what feels right for you. What's going to work for you? And it's not a one size fits all. There's no one formula for everybody. I think that just like wrapped up your worthy framework perfectly as well. And just like everything we talked about, because it's like you're finding your why you're owning your day you're doing all these things for yourself that is really going to put you in that position to reach your most authentic self, higher self, whatever you want to call it. And just really like self-love. It's like at the nature, I think, of a lot of what we do. And 
storytelling, I think like that's the biggest thing I'm taking away from this is just how we talk to ourselves matters and we can kind of take perspective on anything that goes on with ourselves and we can reframe it in a way that serves us to actually put us on a path to reach those goals to make that thing happen. And it's so, so powerful. Yeah, you know, what we said, you said, what we say to ourselves really matters. I think oftentimes we don't stop to think about the things that we say to ourselves on a day to day. Like if you were to actually say out loud the things, how you beat yourself up, how you berate yourself, like we are so unkind to ourselves. And I think that if there's one thing that I'd love for your listeners to take away from this is what are you saying to yourself? And is it something that you would say to your best friend? Is it something that you would say to someone that you loved? Like, are you treating yourself like someone that you love? And really watching those negative thoughts, those negative, you know, thought patterns. Because something else that often people don't realize is that our habits aren't just habits of doing. Those are the ones that we, you know, focus on, we talk a lot about is habits of doing. But our thoughts are habits as well we get into these ruts of thinking negative thoughts of beating ourselves up. And so it's really asking yourself, is this thought serving me? Is this thought helping me? How is me beating on myself helping me? And a powerful thing that I learned um, in my coaching is actually from a book called, um, I think it's called How to Talk, How to Speak to Yourself, How to Talk to Yourself by Shad Helmstetter. And he said, it was so simple and yet so powerful. He said that when you have like these negative thoughts, when you're beating up on yourself, say it out loud. Like actually say the words out loud that you're saying in your head, because when they're in your head, they tend to, I mean, yes, thoughts are things, but when it's in your head, it's kind of almost like not real, doesn't exist. You can just keep it in your head. But when you say it, it almost becomes like a pattern interrupt because now you've given it form. You've given words to it that you've said out loud. And he said like, that's a great way for you to catch yourself when you're saying negative things is say it out loud. And also, if you want to write the words and when you're looking at the things that you're saying to yourself, when you've written them down, it, it really kind of, you know, is jarring to yourself. And, and so just being aware of the words that you say to yourself. I love that. And I have loved this conversation. I have learned so much. And I think just like perspective and thinking of things like even just listening to this podcast, if you're listening to it right now, like hearing these different ideas, different acronyms, different strategies, like try something and I know it's like subtle and it kind of goes in with that habit thing is just like start small what can you do today to try to reframe those negative thoughts in your head or to build a new habit and hopefully this will inspire somebody to make that change or to put themselves on a better path than they're currently on and I have learned so much just from speaking to you in this last hour so thank you so so much for coming on I know you're doing amazing things with your work and your platform so definitely keep going and serving other people it's incredible to see and thank you for what you're doing for bringing these conversations for giving all of you know people like me a platform to share our message with your audience thank you it truly is I think it's you know as we're talking about that it's going to be many things many ways of hearing because not everybody will resonate with everything not everybody resonate with everyone but the variety that you bring on your podcast there's always going to be something that we can learn from the people that you bring on so thank you for doing what you do I appreciate that a lot thank you So much of what she shared just put a lot of different things into perspective for me. And, you know, obviously I'm lucky most of you listening today are lucky just to have a roof over our head, to be living in a community that has access to running water, has electricity, has all these things that we take for granted because we just assume everybody has that. So hearing Sandra's experiences and what she came from to what she has now, it really is an eye-opening story because you see the work that some of these individuals coming from foreign countries or maybe just less privileged communities and how she had to work three jobs while being a full-time student in undergrad. I can't even imagine that. That is not an easy thing to do and I can't even imagine that toll that it took on her mental health during that time, you know, lack of sleep, all these priorities, all these commitments. Like, But as she said, that was the grind. That was just what she knew she had to do in order to get her education, in order to make a better life for herself and her family. And I don't know, I'm just in awe with so much of what she said. And I think she shared so many like little subtle messages that are actually so incredibly powerful. 
like those simple reframes in your mindset, like really thinking about the story that we tell ourselves in any single situation that we face, we can change the narrative and we can make it work for us. And that's obviously not to minimize any struggle you've gone through or any type of mental illness. Obviously, I'm a major advocate for that. And people do go through tough shit. I've gone through tough shit. I'm sure you have as well. But there are many ways to actually acknowledge the shit (laughs) and then dig deeper for that meaning that might have come with it. And you don't always have to be grateful for going through that hard thing because a lot of the times they suck. But I encourage you to just start paying attention to some of the things that you're saying to yourself in whatever type of situation you're in, both positive and negative, and see if any of this applies to your own life. Thank you so much for listening to the Revolutionized Mind podcast. I am so grateful that you're here, and I will be back with another episode next Friday. Bye!